Before we begin this episode talking about using the arts to address caregiver burnout, I want to talk specifically to any of you that are listening that are healthcare workers. Uh, we have a program at Hartstein Art called our Gratitude Grams program, and we want to invite any of you that are listening to enroll in this program. You can go to heartseedart.org slash gratitude grams. When you enroll, we pair you with one of our artists, musicians, and writers, and each week they will send you a personalized email and short three to five minute video with a message of thanks, an inspiring song or a um, an art, simple art activity or something to help um, just give you a moment of joy um, in your day, in your busy day. So if you're a healthcare worker listening, we'd love for you to engage with our Gratitude Grams program. Again, you can go to heartscenart.org slash Gratitude Grams. Now enjoy this episode. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird Try to fly my way homeward With the melody and I make the beat Don't know where it'll take me, take me Cause when I'm in the dark of night I sing my way back to the light Come along with me and your heart will see That a song changes everything Oh, oh You may have been hearing a lot in the news right now about caregiver or healthcare worker burnout. And while it is at an all-time high after a, over a year of dealing with COVID, caregiver burnout isn't a new thing. It's been a problem that people have been trying to address for over a decade. And we have an amazing guest today who has made it his his jam <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally his jam to work on addressing this problem. So today we're talking to Dr. Alan Siegel, um, and he is um, a board member for the National Organization for Arts and Health and has helped to start um, their uh, their ARC program, which is Arts for Resiliency and Caregivers. I think that's right. Arts for Resilience in Clinicians. In Clinicians. I was so close. Sorry, Alan. Um, good thing Richard kept good notes. That's why um, I take notes. That's why you take notes. Um, but it was such a good episode. That was so fun, Richard. This is what I loved. So Alan's like a doctor where he like had an outline for this episode. And this is what I want to talk to him. Point one, point B. And like <laughs> very it was, organized. Right. So he I was like, did our job for us. It was wonderful. yes. And I was like, we should hire him for this podcast to like figure out every episode <laughs> and we won't have to do anything. And then he shows up and he's a musician and he's like he's in a rock band. People pay like jump on the YouTube channel to watch this because there's a music video. Like this there guy made a music, music video. video at the end. It's true. Oh, it's so, it so good. good. <laughs> yeah, and just like I love, like, um, burnout has been such a buzzword over the last year, and I think it's really important, like you were saying, to talk about that it's not, it's not a new concept. It's yeah. just talked about finally, and how do we do that, and how do we combat it with the arts? And of course, Dr. Allen has it all figured out. So you just listen to the episode, <laughs> and then you do what he tells you to. 
And Dr. Allen has some prescriptive arts for you at the end. So make sure you listen um, for that at the end. Also, to fact check myself, I almost sing a song at the end, but then I resisted because I was pretty sure that this particular song was not in the public domain, but it is. And Dang you will- it. It would it enter the public domain in 2015, and I'm so glad I know that now. So that's your trivia question for today. So before you get to that, tweet what us, I don't know what song do you think we're going to sing? We wanted to sing, but Did thought we couldn't, but could, but didn't. <laughs> this is getting complicated. So you don't want a prize, but we might sing to you this song. Maybe we'll <laughs> Maybe. call you up. You can come on the podcast, and um, sing we'll sing you. the song to you when it's your day. Yes. That's a hint. All right. That's enough of us talking. Here is Dr. Allen talking. Enjoy. Allen, how are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This is such, this is a topic we have been wanting to do an episode on. I know we're only a couple weeks into the podcast, but this was definitely in the top uh, list of things we needed to talk about, which is healthcare worker burnout. And mm. I mean, who better to have on here than the than the king of healthcare worker burnout help, you know? <laughs> Thank you. I yes. <laughs> we're super excited to have you on. You were always on our short list to talk. Um, so I would love to hear first I'll just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what led you into this topic of caregiver burnout and trying to address it through the arts. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been working for Contra Costa Health Services in Northern California for the last 21 years, almost 22 now. And I have part of that is with my background as a musician and interest in the arts, um, have been running a program called Healing Through Creativity for the last 13, 14 years. We weren't able to do it last year, of course, because of COVID. Um, But it's an amazing event that brings together probably about 80 healthcare workers at the hospital and people perform for each other. They dance, Mm. they do music, they do visual arts. We have hands-on expressive arts. We've gotten into healthy eating and into other areas. And that has, that was a really powerful experience. And a lot of people say is their favorite day at the County. Hmm. So that was one piece Um, that probably led me to running a program in my own system for the last 10 years called Art of Health and Healing. So it's been an arts program uh, that has done lots of different parts of it, that healing through creativity was one part, but we've gotten involved with healing environments, gotten involved with ther- starting a therapy prep program. We had a farmer's market for about five years. Oh, cool. Of arts and hands-on. And so that's how I've gotten into this work. Mm-hmm. And then in the last couple years, I joined the board for the National Organization for Arts and Health And I've had my own experiences with some burnout over time, um, a long time ago, thankfully, once during residency and once early Mm -hmm. on in my academic career, um, where I thought I was just experiencing depression. But in retrospect, now, as I learn more about burnout, it's pretty clear that that was a big part of my experience. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want other people to suffer the way I suffered and the way lots of people suffer. And so it feels it has felt like the right place for me to put my energies to be able to bring the arts, which, you know, are a beautiful thing to offer and have really been used mostly with patients over the last 30 years 
to our healthcare workers who are really struggling. Mm. Could you could you maybe define burnout um, and mm-hmm. what maybe leads to healthcare workers experiencing burnout? Yeah, so burnout is a work related by definition. It's work related and has three components. Uh, one is exhaustion. One is mental distance from your job, and one is having feeling decreased efficacy in your work. So any one of those components often gives you a diagnosis of burnout. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact is everybody has some level of burnout at this point, I think, after a year Mm -hmm. in COVID. Um, But it has felt like a, a good place for us to put energy through NOAA, through the National Organization, and we started a program about a year ago now to bring the arts to healthcare workers because it, it's an area that has been done around the country, but um, only sporadically. And it really should be one of the a key component for our employees and our staff. So can you talk maybe a little bit about other examples of and reasons why maybe the arts help to address burnout? I think that that is a, it's a really interesting question and I don't think we have all the answers. I think there's a lot of work being done around neurotransmitters and how it can help with some of, you know, serotonin, which is something we use in depression, with dopamine, with several of the different neurotransmitters and helping to activate them. And so I think that that's some of how it works. But I think in the real world that we understand, I mean, part of the beautiful part about the arts is it just hits you in lots of different ways. Often Mm -hmm. you're doing it in community, you're doing it with some of your colleagues. So that brings that whole level of just, you know, we're all so alienated, especially during COVID, that Mm. we're doing things together is a helpful thing. Even if it's virtually, you're doing it together and there's that bonding experience. And especially with our event, you know, people are seeing the other side and the human side of people. Mm. Um, You know, it hits different parts of the brain. I mean, one of the, when they've done all these MRIs, dynamic MRIs, they've shown that to actually light up the brain, they've done all kinds of things. And what lights up the brain the most is actually learning to play an instrument, learning hmm. to do music actually lights up more parts of the brain than anything else that you study. Hmm. So it's obviously brings in a lot of that, but it's what's cool in the arts is it's just multimodal. It just does it in so many different ways all at the same time, as opposed to, you know, exercise works on your physical body. But, you know, if you do something like Zumba, you have the music, you have the dance and the movement, you have the being in community. So there's a lot of different multiple aspects of it that I think make it a very powerful way to take care of yourself. So you're saying singing really is my superpower because I'm lighting up my brain (laughs) when I'm practicing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And if you want to do it during this, that would be great. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, 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 no. (laughs) You're, you're in the hot seat today. (laughs) What I think is important. We talk, I mean, in the last year, we've talked a ton about burnout in, in hospitals, but like you were saying that it's not a new concept. Um, Where, why is it so high? And what you said you haven't really had to deal with that in quite some time. So what have you been doing yourself to, to make sure you're staying in check? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, so it was really high, you know, I think that burnout's been well studied probably in the last 10 years. And as far as the causes, a lot of that has been worked out. And, you know, if you look at the peaks and valleys of the studies, at least on most 
familiar with the physician studies, which have been the worst um, burnout mm-hmm. levels, you know, usually around 45 to 55% of physicians are burned out. Oof. You know, the, it seemed to peak at the time when the electronic medical record was getting the most rollout, oh, no. which was an incredibly stressful year or two when, when you're doing that. For anybody who's been involved with it, it's, it was just horrible. So I think that around 2014 is when the numbers were the worst and about 54%. So I think the electronic medical record, which puts a lot of the work of caring for patients in the hands of that physician who does all the orders, reads all the messages, you know, it just really um, centralizes that kind of undue burden of all this bureaucratic work. And so that's been part of it. I think having electronic medical record and that that is your main way that you interact with patients means that you don't look at the patient a lot. So a lot of your focus has to stay on the electronic medical record to enter the orders and to try to be efficient and all those things while you're seeing patients. So it's really, a lot of us went into medicine to work with patients, not to work with electronic medical record. Hmm. And so it's, you know, it's hard um, to make that shift and it's hard to make it work where the patient feels like you're there with them. And yet you have to get your certain amount of work done and to work Mm. in that balance is challenging. And then of course, you know, in COVID, there is so many factors that have made it worse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that goes without saying, right? (laughs) True for everybody, um, particularly for doctors and nurses and people working in healthcare. It's just some people have moved, have gone to different areas or they don't want to a big part of the concern has been bringing it home to your family. So some people have Mm. isolated themselves and not seen their family for months at a time because they were afraid that they would bring the disease home. There's the normal isolation that everybody has had. Uh, There is um, some people going, you know, getting put into places that they're not, don't feel well-trained. So say traveling nurses have gone to an ICU and they just need more people and Mm. the ICU is bustling and they're not necessarily comfortable in that environment. So there's a lot of different reasons why COVID has been particularly hard on healthcare workers. I, you know, there's people where your colleagues get sick mm. and you're taking care of your colleagues or, you know, over 3,600 people have died that are healthcare workers during COVID. And, mm. you know, so you're living with a certain level of fear and, you know, I can speak to my own, I am clinic based and you just kind of feel like you're a sitting duck at some point, someone's going to walk in, they'll get through the screening at the door and then, you know, they either don't have symptoms or COVID can have so many different symptoms that at some point it felt inevitable that we would get COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and, and have ha- there, yeah. right. And have there been any studies done yet um, on maybe an increase in caregiver burnout because of COVID or in this last year? Is there data about that yet? Or is it, are people yeah. still working on that? No, it's very clearly bad. <laughs> um <laughs> How bad is it? That's a good question. Uh, There was just actually a study, very good timing that came out. And those numbers are crazy. I mean, it's really that. And so usually it's pretty bad for physicians, but not as bad for nurses, often in the 20%, 25%. And and a lot of groups haven't been studied all that well. Um, But here it was 55% of all healthcare workers um, had burnout. And then when you, if you go to the, the worst group was the 18 to 39 year olds and that group had, I'm sorry, 18 to 29 year olds. And that group had 70%. Oh my gosh. Burnout. And then really high levels of anxiety and really high levels of depression. And, you know, just 
<sighs> I don't know what we do with those numbers. I mean, it's we need to do something. And so mm. it really, you know, it feels like nobody knows what to do to fix this. A lot of it is really like start over with a new system <laughs> mm. um, is the way to fix it, um, which mm. is probably not going to happen. Um, but we feel like with the arts, we can actually address a lot of the individual factors and that it's, a way, it's something we can do tomorrow so, mm. or today. Today is a good day. Wow. That's, oh, those numbers are so crazy. <laughs> I'm still kind of like reeling from that a little bit. And there's, you know, there's this idea, you, and you kind of alluded to it um, when you were talking about the burden of the electronic medical records. Um, and many people go into medicine to care for people. Um, and then I, I think I've heard about this idea of, about moral injury um, mm -hmm. as one of the factors in, in burnout. Can you talk a little bit about that and what, what is moral injury in context of healthcare yeah. and how it contributes to burnout? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I read my first article and heard about moral injury, finally it hit home like, ah, <laughs> this is it. Um, because <laughs> Burnout never quite felt like something that many of us experience in the way that it's presented. Um, but moral injury makes sense in that we know that we can provide really good care to patients if we're just given the right tools, enough time, you know, get rid of some of the limits that we have on how we practice. Um, so moral injury, which came from the literature around veterans and military, um, is the idea that, you know, if you j could just do it the way that you wanted to, that you could do a great job. But the fact that you every day, day in, day out, patient in, patient out, are sitting there and you can't provide the kind of care that you want, that you know you can if you just, you know, had the tools and mm. didn't have such limitations, that leads to burnout. And that makes a lot of sense. And for people that I, I work in an underserved system, a county health system, and so I work with a lot of idealistic doctors and nurses and people that really <laughs> want to help those who need help. And um, that that's what feels right to us in, in that kind of environment, because, you know, you just that's the part that's frustrating. And so moral injury, moral injury is a really interesting model and I think is a real component for this. And a lot of the things that are being used that are being used in the military, actually some of the arts that are used in the military and with veterans um, are things that we, we are looking at doing in healthcare. If you go back in history, the arts have been around forever and people have used them and people have done them. And there was never, you know, like if you're good or bad, or there was, you were just doing it. When do you think that kind of went away? Like how come that never transitioned with us, evolved with us into the medical, like when, how come we just sort of went like, okay. You we'll do medicine, just, you do art. Yeah. Like compartmentalized like, kind of. Yes. And, and how come it's taken us this long to kind of come <laughs> back around to be like, oh, right. Well, and uh, to add on to that, I think there's probably a lot of health, a lot of healthcare workers listening that might be hearing this and being like, well, I'm not an artist, so I couldn't do these things. So yeah, to add, adding that on to Richard's question, how would you maybe speak to, to that objection? Yeah, I don't, I think that the world of medicine became very sterile. And I don't know if that was the 50s or, you know, around the time when we were understanding more about bacteria and viruses and antibiotics were invented and, and those kind of things. 
they decided to make it a very sterile environment. And I don't know exactly how that decision was made, but I think that it, you know, the arts and health in communities has been millennia, (laughs) has been the norm. And then somehow we got into this very sterile thing. And, And then I, that doesn't work. We're not, you know, we're just not, we're not built that way. We, the arts bring so much richness to us and who we are and who we are in community and how we interact. So it's been a little bit crazy that we, you know, we do these arts things on the side, but yet in healthcare, for the most part, you know, we, we don't do any of it. And there was, you know, boring things on the walls or nothing on the walls. And it Mm -hmm. was, you know, people wearing all white and, you know, and just not things that are artistic. And so I think there's been more of an appreciation over the last 30 years. And that's when, you know, they've started to enter there. And what I'm amazed, you know, as I've learned more and gotten into this is just how so few people know that this even exists, mm-hmm. that it's such a rich area that brings so much for the patients. And I think for healthcare workers and, you know, many people, I have to keep explaining what it is that I'm doing <laughs> over and over again because <laughs> nobody understands. And it's you just preaching to the choir. Yes. <laughs> and in my mind, you know, like, why would we not want to use all the tools that we have yeah. available to us? And, you know, that's true for patients and we've been better at it for patients, but still it's not a universal thing at all. And then we have been using it very little for healthcare workers. And I think that that's an area that I, I feel like, you know, that we can really change. And we change. It, it even takes, I think, a while for healthcare workers who know how great it is for their patients when they're invited into an art class or sung to, like, they think, oh, me? Like, I thought that was for the patients. Like, they don't even correlate that <laughs> it could also be good for them, which I think is really interesting that, that they're so yeah. disconnected from this is my job and I'm here. Whatever the patient needs is why I'm right. here. And then, like, but no one's taking care of you. That's why we're here. That's why. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely the um, paradigm in medicine is, you know, and that's what you learn in school is like, it's all about the patient and anything you do for the patient is, is the right thing. So it's mm-hmm. really not a model where we learn to take care of ourselves. There was a really um, great testimonial that we received from, um, from Lindsay Richards, who works at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center uh, when she enrolled in our gratitude grams program. Um She said, thank you so much for including me in such a wonderful program. This truly made my day. I feel that oftentimes the work we do takes precedence over the fact that we are also people trying Mm -hmm. to survive this pandemic. Um, You taking the time to send this and create such an amazing program is most appreciated, yada, yada, yada. But I think that really sums up. And that's what we're hearing from the healthcare workers is like, oh, yeah, I kind of forget. I am trying to survive, too. Um, And I'm a human too. And I'm deserving of love and care and attention. Um, And without that, you know, we shrivel up and die. And then we don't, you know, then there's nothing to give to care for others, right? It's always that like precious moment when they when it clicks. And you're, Mm. you know, I've been in art classes with a nurse who's like, I have 10 minutes, like, can I sit down? Of course you can sit down. And suddenly they're crying because they realize what it was and, you know, setting up special rooms for them. And we do things in break rooms for local nursing staff and just the excitement, even just singing to them, 
you stood by me for 10 seconds yes well and i think it's so important well i think we're circling around some of the challenges there that we face in trying to bring these types of activities to healthcare workers and into a healthcare environment mm-hmm. um can you speak to some of that like just some of the challenges of incorporating the arts um for healthcare workers yeah absolutely so over the last year, it's been even more challenging because uh, <laughs> right. incredible budget cuts. Um, yeah. you know, I can speak from my own budget cuts, um, but it's a thing all across the country. So at a time that you know these programs are needed the most, uh, there have been a, you know there hasn't been funding to do that, and then the. Um, and then artists have also been removed from the healthcare setting. I'd say, you know, at least half around the country. And that's kind of borne out in some of the research that we've done. And so, so I loved having our artists around and people, you know, would get giddy with that of just having artists, even if they're, you know, as you said, even if they're working with the patients and they might just get a little bit of it, that, you know, that's nice, but it's been hard to not have them in the healthcare setting. And, you know, we're, Many of us are fighting to get them back into the healthcare setting as things are getting better in our hospital and in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of it. Um, but then there's the real issue that healthcare workers are busy and that trying to fit in something in, more into their day um, is is very challenging. So mm-hmm. when we're looking at programming, as you mentioned, it might be a minute, it might be five uh-huh. minutes, it might be 10 minutes. <laughs> but that's about the limit of what we can do because people are just so busy and we don't want to ask them to do more when they go home. Mm. And, and the real answer is that healthcare systems need to support it and they need to give time for their staff to do it. And that's the only real answer that's going to work to be able to get people to do this stuff because we can't just ask people to do more. They're just mm. doing so much. So I think you have to have systems really buy in that this is worth investing time, which of course is money into and that you have to do it. I mean, it's mm. just, you know, that the wellness of our staff is really one of the highest priorities along with patient care and along with all these regulations and guidelines and things that we have to do, we have to take care of our people. You know, it's part Absolutely. of the quadruple aim. You know, the fourth aim is to take care of your staff and have a well-functioning, happy staff. So, so you have kind of helped start and are now leading the ARC program at the National Organization for Arts and Health. Can you talk a little bit about that, what it is? um, What are some of the initiatives going on with that? Um, Yeah, take it away. Happy to. So we had been forming a working group. We had a leadership summit last January of 2020, (laughs) losing track of years. (laughs) Um, And one of the three topics was clinician burnout and we had some an amazing group there and we formed a strategic plan and we were planning to move forward. And we started to meet in February and then March, you know, we all know what happened. <laughs> so clearly we needed to focus on, you know, healthcare workers in the time of COVID. And so we started this project ARC, which stands for arts for resilience in clinicians. And, you know, at a time that it's very hard to have artists in healthcare systems, we wanted to do most of it um, virtually. And we we want to do a combination of things that are accessible to people. So generally our main ideas are to create some videos 
um, where people can engage with the arts. And so they can watch it. It might be a, you know, five, 10, 15 minute video that they can, you know, I prefer active than mm -hmm. passive, but we'll probably have some passive stuff because some people just don't want to do active, but they will, you know, where they can watch something, take some instruction, maybe do, you know, write a poem or, you know, do something with, with the video leading them. A second component is to have classes led by an artist or art therapist. A third component would be to have um, more small group one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three kind of small groups that people can sign up for times and maybe 15, 20 minutes with an artist or art therapist. Maybe they want to figure out what their art form is. Maybe they want to work on something specifically, but be able to do that. And then we've added on a component of being able, some people don't want to do anything virtually and mm. don't want to do anything digitally. So we've added on, oh, maybe a workbook so that people could work on things. And so my co-director is Cindy Perlis, um, who had started a program at UCSF, I think 30 years ago as well. And she's written some books. And so we're looking at starting with one of those prompt books, but developing our own workbooks from all the artists and art therapists that will work with us. So we've been working on this for a while. We've been having this amazing work working group. We meet um, frequently and have a lot of great ideas. And then the funding has actually been really challenging to be able to roll this out. So a mm. couple months ago, we decided to change gears and are going to be rolling out a website that will be because the main point of this was to get healthcare workers engaging with the arts mm -hmm. and we're still not there yet. And so as of a month from now or something, when we roll this out, all healthcare workers around the country can access this portal and be able to access the videos and eventually classes that will run through that. And so right now we're getting some donated videos and going to be able to post those to make them available. You know, if it's 12 o'clock at night, if it's whenever, 24 hours a day, people can access this stuff. And we're also wanting to roll out and probably will roll out a pilot um, for the, a program, some in person, some virtually, probably in New York in the next few months. And we're working awesome. on a grant where we can do um, research as well. So, you know, we've got some, some, uh, some things Stuff in the, the fire right now. And, yeah. uh, and that's being released on the 21st of May, correct? Uh, we don't have a release date yet. Okay. We will probably have some materials available. And, you know, we're also going to use this website as a hub to have articles around burnout, to have articles and literature around arts and health. As one place that people can go to really capture all this stuff because there isn't anything like that. Mm. So it will be, um, it'll be part of the, the NOAA website, which is the NOAA.net. And so you can always access it from there. Um, but people um, will have all that stuff. So we will have part of it available within a couple of weeks, but we're waiting for videos. And so that will probably happen about a middle of May, maybe, I would guess. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I want to switch gears for a little bit because you've been very busy, um, <laughs> but also you've had time to make your own music video. And I want to talk to you about being a rock star oh, and what that writing experience was like. <laughs> And then, you know, uh, if you're listening to this on whatever platform you listen to podcasts, you should jump over to our YouTube channel because we're about to play the music video in a second, too. But I want to yeah. talk to you about how that came about and how that was for you. 
Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to play it. That's great. Well, so, uh, you sent it. I'll play it. <laughs> I wrote the song. <laughs> you write things when you need to write them. I was mm -hmm. about to run a workshop, our first one, about a year and a half ago in Boston at our national, um, at our NOAA conference. And we did a pre-conference on this topic on clinician burnout and using the arts. And actually I had partnered with the right, the author of the article from moral injury. So that's why when you bring it up, I'm like, Oh, it's such <laughs> an important area to me. And I just, I For love sure. their, their work. Um, but anyway, Simon Talbot um, is up at Harvard. And so anyway, I, we partnered together and did that. And so I was actually away um, at a camp with my family, a uh, family performing arts camp, and they had a songwriting class. And I was like, this is a month from now. I, <laughs> I want write to write this song. I kind of knew what I wanted to do and just like wham and did that and recorded it uh, a year ago, Thanksgiving, and then more recently put it together with a video uh, to be able to, to um, show and let people experience a little bit around uh, physician burnout. Oh my gosh. I'm I love so that it's it. such, it's like the exact intersection of arts and health. Like it's so, I love it. <laughs> I'm so, I, when you, when I Thank saw you. it in your notes, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is so <laughs> like, you can have fun and also talk about some serious stuff. Can we play the video? Absolutely. All right, Ivan, it's in there. Can we watch it, please? <laughs> Alone, no longer hearing the song. A person in front of me just keeps talking too long. Gotta move on in my hamster wheel. Get through this day with nothing to feel. Finding the light, bring it into my sights. Remembering the day when it feels like night. Feel the dark places of my soul. Getting back what others stole. How long can this go on? How long can this last? I've gotten into a hole. Don't know how to get past. This is not who I am This is not why I'm here I'm just stuck here on this screen Holding back my tears Finding the light, bring it into my sides Remembering the day when it feels like night Feel the dark places of my soul Getting back what others stole Can I sing my way out? Write a story with a better ending Can I draw my way out? Move my body and awake my senses Can I breathe my way out? Find my breath so I can live again Believe again
bring it into my sights. Remembering the day when it feels like night. Feel the dark places of my soul getting back what others stole. Thank you. If I had a lighter, I would be. <laughs> when does your album nice drop? Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to like, was that, did that feel really good to kind of go through that creative process to put all that into words and music? Yeah, it's been uh, really fun for that song. And I've written other songs before. I haven't created a video, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, I think it's an. It's been interesting that when I play it, people are like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and uh, I'm like, "Yeah," because um, I wrote that song. I am now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was bringing in past experiences and knowledge and all those things together, and so the fact that it evokes emotion is great. That's yeah. what I think music is supposed to do, and so it has felt, you know, definitely healing to to bring that. So let's say we have people listening and they're like, okay, well, I don't play guitar and maybe I don't like My write music. skills aren't great. <laughs> like a music video. Right. <laughs> but what, what are some things that people could do today um, to incorporate some creativity into their, into their, into like a self-care practice? Um, what would you, what would you recommend? Yes. I think it's a great question. And it really is the vision of that, you know, I, I believe and, you know, a lot of us believe that the arts is as important as people's exercise routine and how people eat and mm-hmm. meditation or mindfulness or yoga and, you know, probably going out into nature. So I think that putting it in that realm, for whatever reason, we haven't thought that way about it in this country. Uh, UK, they've been doing it for years and they have social prescribing and they really take it very seriously and their studies are incredible. And it's basically, I know I'm getting off the topic, but I, (laughs) you know, I just think it's, um, I just think it's such a, such a great thing for us to access as part of the healing, but it really is. They found that like engaging with the arts once a month is as good as exercising a couple times a week for a lot of features, whether it's death or high blood pressure or heart attacks or lots of things. So this is why I don't go to the gym. This is why I tell people all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't go to the gym. I go to the theater. Exactly. (laughs) So I think thinking of ways to do it that are very accessible is the important part as we're thinking Mm -hmm. about healthcare worker and and whoever is listening to this. So, so some easy ideas, Um, you know, I come from the music. So, maybe making a playlist. So thinking about songs that bring out some type of emotion, joy, calm, meditative, and make a playlist of that songs to use during different times when you're, when you either want to feel that way or you are feeling that way to help you with, with that. So I think music is a really powerful thing and that's just such a simple thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could also take your favorite song and maybe rewrite lyrics and you could re- write an extra verse. You could rewrite the lyrics. 
And that can be a really um, accessible thing to do. From the visual arts, um, you know, you could create a drawing or write a story. Think about who you were before COVID. Think about who you are now and, you know, write about it, draw about it, do something about it. So those are very accessible things. Um, another one, you could put your hand down on a piece of paper and draw an outline of your fingers. And the middle one, do some words of strength. Well, some words of strength on the different fingers. In the middle, draw right your core beliefs about yourself. And then mm. just think about that experience and reflect it. Um, and then movement, of course, that is a very accessible one. Um, you can, one of the, I've done a lot of groups with kids and one of the fun ones with, with pediatric obesity is what my groups were and, or some of my groups were, and we, they did mirror, mirror dance. And so someone moves and then the person you're doing it with also moves. And it's just a, you know, again, this is multimodal. It's a way for you to bond and join with somebody else. It's a way for you to move. If you're playing music, you know, you're hearing music at the same time. So just think about things. And I, and I you know, one of my colleagues uh, has gotten into Zumba and he's like, does that count as engaging with the arts? I'm like, yeah, sure. multiple levels. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's all those things at the same time. And so I think these are really accessible, powerful things to do instead of, you know, instead of, running or doing something that, you know, use something that, that brings in some different art forms. Cause it's just, you get a lot of different ways that you, uh, that you benefit from that. Oh, well, you heard it here, folks. Dr. Allen has prescribed <laughs> some arts activities for you to try. <laughs> what is the last uh, creative thing you did? The, I am playing with a band called Enjoyous. And so getting to play, we're back up. Uh, practicing outside and hoping to as bars and clubs are starting to open with outside venues um, and we're all getting immunized or at least the rest of the band's getting immunized um, hoping to play I love playing music with other people so that is mm. that is my main thing to do although I have two small children and I am I've done more visual art since they've been born <laughs> than the rest of my life put together and so you know last night I was drawing uh you know, Homer Simpson, <laughs> uh, nice. you know, with my daughter. And so I'm getting to do some different stuff. I love that. How can people best connect with you? Well, I'm happy to share um, either through Noah. Um, I am happy to give my email address. Uh, at, it's Dr. Allen, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-L-A-N at gmail.com or through LinkedIn or all the Facebook things. or any of those things. Yeah. And awesome. also, we can't end this because, because it's your birthday tomorrow. <laughs> so happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating with us. Do you have birthday plans? I am planning. Um, so last year I did my first ever Zoom birthday. That was the weirdest oh. thing I think I've ever done. And I was totally hesitant and... Uh, a friend of mine made me <laughs> and, and it was really beautiful. It was actually like people telling you how wonderful you are and, and those kind of things <laughs> from different parts of the country and different parts of your life. And so that was beautiful. So this, I will probably do a little more traditional of uh, having small group of people outside and hopefully playing some music, eating some food um, and celebrate. I love it. 
Uh, I would sing you happy birthday, but it is not yet in the public domain. So I will just sing it in my head. <laughs> happy, happy birthday, birthday right. Dr. Allen. No, it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I have questions. Really? <laughs> Another time. Last I looked. <laughs> wow. I feel like that was like one of those Christmas songs where everybody can yeah. sing it. No, nope. and no one gets in trouble. All right, I don't fine. think it's gets. I don't think it's enforced very often. But we'll just err on the safe side. Right. Um. <laughs> well, we're also here to tell you how amazing we think you are, and well, we appreciate you. you jumping on tonight and talking to us and um spending your birthday eve with us. Yeah. Oh, well, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on, and uh, I think it's a really important message. So well, I, I think when the band gets back together, you should come on and do a performance. Awesome. We'll do. Thank All you. Right. Very much. That is our episode for today, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe to wherever you're watching or listening. Keep creating, everyone. Have a great night, week, and we will see you next week with an all-new episode. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader, and produced by Ivan Briones. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lee. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create arts for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartstein Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.